All right, so good morning, and it is good to see everyone here at Anthem Church. This morning we are continuing today in our current sermon series entitled Composing. God is the great composer, and he is currently right now, as I speak, in the process of scoring, of composing a song in this world. And it's not just a song, it's an anthem. God is writing the anthem of his kingdom as, as we speak. And I don't know if you've ever really thought much about the difference between a song and an anthem and what an anthem is. But an anthem is a particularly powerful thing. Go to a Carolina State game. On one side, heavenly blue. On the other, devilish red. <laughs> Two sides diametrically opposed. Hostility between the two sides enmity between the two sides uh completely at disdain at each other's throats like animosity is in the air at these games at these events and then a miracle happens everyone stands up as the national anthem is played and all of a sudden distinctions in colors and mascots fades away and would-be rivals all of a sudden aren't rivals anymore. They're standing side by side in unity. Like that's the power of an anthem. That's what an anthem can, can do. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but you and I, we're very much divided within ourselves. So, so you're, you're going about your day, and your mind is saying this, but your heart is saying something different. Your will is at odds with your body. Like your will is saying, I'm going to do this, but your body's like, no, I'm not going to exercise. I'm going to eat the Krispy Kreme. Like everything inside of us is, is always, there's tension, right? Our, our soul desires something, but then our emotions fight against that. There's, it's an NC State Carolina game all the time within us fighting at odds and everything it's exhausting and God's desire is to bring peace and harmony and unity to us to our hearts and our minds to our will to our soul to our intellect to our bodies even to bring us all under one anthem and so that's what God is doing he's writing this song in in the lives of his people to to bring us under love faith and hope to unite our very being under that song. That's what God is doing. So let's pray one more time, and we'll, we'll get to work with the rest of the message. Uh, Lord, gracious Father, I thank you so much for this morning and this opportunity for us to gather here together and in your presence. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us individually and personally this morning. I ask that you would... Uh, bless this time of Bible study and that, Lord, your truth would change us, that your truth would settle us and center us, ground us. Lord, I ask that you would inject your holy scriptures into us in such a way, Lord, that you compose this beautiful and eternal song that only you can sing, Lord, that our lives would be an anthem of love, faith, and hope. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 
All right, so we're in this series, and we're looking at love, faith, and hope, and, and it's come up already. We read it a while ago as our, 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 our mission statement, like our grandiose mission statement. Our mission as Anthem Church is to fill Andrew and the world with love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus. And why the three? Why is it love, faith, and hope? It's because those are those are the three things, if you can distill Christianity down to the nitty-gritty, those are the three cardinal Christian virtues. That's what it means to be a Christian, be love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled. And in this series, we're looking at each one of those three things. So we spent a couple weeks looking at what it means to be love-filled. And being love-filled means living a life of gratitude toward God and a life of generosity toward others. That's what it means to be love-filled, gratitude toward God, generosity toward others. And we spent a couple weeks looking at what it means to be faith-filled. And we saw that being faith-filled means a life of wisdom and a life of integrity. So wisdom is living the life that God created you to live. Integrity is having the backbone and the resolve to actually live that life out. So wisdom and integrity. And so we've turned now to look at what it means to be hope-filled. So we started that last week. And to to be hope-filled means that we live a life of joy in Christ and a life of boldness for Christ. Joy in Christ and boldness for Christ. Hope is a spiritual gift that God gives to us at the moment that we are converted. Converted is not a word that gets used much these days in, in churches or around Christian circles. But there, there is a moment where a person initially places their faith in Christ and places their life in the hands of Christ. There's a moment of salvation, a moment of first repentance, of first belief. And in that moment, God fills us with a new hope, one that we didn't have before. He gives us new eyes is what happens. He gives us eyes, like the supernatural ability by which we can look beyond the here and now and fix our eyes on the heavenly and the eternal. Like it's a wonderful gift of God that we no longer are prisoners of the moment. We don't have to be anyway. It's a, these new eyes, it's a new perspective so that we, don't, we can look beyond our problems and look to him who can fix our problems. That's hope. It's fully trusting that God will never leave us, he will never forsake us, he will never fail us, and he will never let us down. That's hope. And if you think about it, hope is forward-looking. Like we're always, we hope for something later, tomorrow, mañana. Right, next week, next year, sometime in the future. Hope is always forward-looking, right? We're banking on God's promises. He's made a promise, so we're banking that he's going to fulfill that out. Well, but though it's forward-looking, it's grounded in the past. Hope is forward-looking, and it's grounded in the past. The reason we can fully trust that God will keep his promises is because of what he has already done in the past. And what has God done? Jesus. Jesus leaves heaven. He comes down to earth, lives a sinless life, though he was tempted in every way. That life ends up on a cross where he takes our sin upon his shoulders. There he experienced judgment on account of that sin, even though it wasn't his. He took our punishment for us on the cross. He died. 
shed his blood, and he died. On the third day, he rose from the grave. In the darkness of the tomb, the glory of God shined in such a way that the eyes of Jesus woke up. The eyes of Jesus opened up. He stood up. He brushed death off of him, and he walked up out of the grave. And it's through the power of the cross and through the power of the resurrection that Jesus says, I've got your future. And so it is by grace through faith, faith in Christ, that we can be hope-filled. Because what he did guarantees that he will do what he says he will do. That's what it means to be hope-filled. And and if you are living a hope-filled life, it's displayed through two ways. Joy in Christ and boldness for Christ. I like to think of joy this way. Joy is hope let off the leash. Joy is hope let off the leash. It's the overflow of the hope that we have in Christ going crazy a little bit. And I mean that in a good way, right? Like let loose a little bit. Just get a, it's unchanged. It's running, it's running a little wild, right? So that's what joy is. It's hope let off the leash. It's the gladness of heart that we enjoy because of what Jesus did and what he's promised that he will do. Joy is a gift from God that not only helps us to survive our tri- trials, but to thrive in our trials. And that's a gift. That's a wonderful gift. It's, it's let off the leash. I and mean, that's what it is. Now, what is boldness? Boldness is my, she's now three, at the time, two-year-old Ellie. Uh, Edie, our four-year-old, or five-year-old, is more the tenderoni, right? The sweet spirit, that kind of thing. Ellie is more sass. She's more spice. Um, two years ago, at Ellie's two-year birthday, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just watching the kids play, and there was a much bigger four-year-old there at this party. And the much bigger four-year-old goes up to Edie, who was just shy of her four-year birthday at the time, and out of nowhere just starts pushing. And like aggressively, like really mean, like pushing. And I'm close, I'm watching, but I want to see how this thing plays out. Because I don't just, you know, so long as it doesn't get out of hand too rowdy, so long as no one takes out a knife, horn a county style, and cuts somebody, we're going to see how this plays itself out. So I'm wondering, this, and the girl's like pushing, and Edie, being the tenderoni that she is, she's like, she keeps backing up, and she's looking around like she's never seen behavior like this, and she's taken back a little bit. And I noticed Ellie, and Ellie's a peanut of a kid anyway, but she's like barely two, and she sees what this kid is doing to her older sister. And I mean, she comes back barreling at her and comes up to that much bigger kid and with everything she got, pushes her. And she didn't say it, but you know what she was doing, right? You're not doing that to my sister. I mean, she was at a major weight disadvantage, height disadvantage, reach disadvantage, not meanness disadvantage, right? But she came up, she bowed up back. I mean, that's, that's boldness. That's boldness. That's little Ellie. What's Boldness. Boldness is having three kids, working on your doctorate, planting a church, and adding a fourth. I'll let that sink in just a little bit. I'll let you process through that. It's still taking some of the guys, uh-huh, what? What's he saying? The girls got that quickly. So that's a formal public way of saying, yeah, we're having baby G number four. Please pray for us. 
Anyway, all right, so back, back to what we're talking about today. Boldness is part of what it means, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's part of the life that we're called to. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, he says this, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. The we there is referring to followers of Jesus. Hope refers to Jesus because it tells us many times, especially in the, in the New Testament, that Jesus is hope. So Romans 5.2, Colossians 1.27, Titus 2.3, Jesus is hope. And then the bold there is the Greek word parousia, which means confidence. So what that verse is telling us is that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have Jesus. Therefore, be confident for Jesus. Be confident for, Je- for Jesus. By definition, a Christian has boldness for Christ. By definition, those who have a hope in Jesus are bold for Jesus. By definition, we are to live as bold witnesses, boldly sharing the faith, confidently teaching the truth, sharing the love of Christ, shining the light of God in this world. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, let's do some assessing. How well do we do that? Right. In, 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 in all honesty, most of us, if not all of us, struggle with showing boldness, right? Can I get a witness? Right? We, we struggle. We struggle with having this confidence out in the world and sharing the things to, of God that we're supposed to do. We all struggle doing this. I, I, I would say that all of us have 1950s Superman syndrome. 1950s Superman syndrome when it comes to faring, sharing the faith. So that's way before my day, but I do have Nick at night and all that kind of stuff. And so back in the 1950s, there was a Superman series entitled The Adventures of Superman. It was in black and white. And inevitably in every episode, it always would come to a head when the bad guy, you know, he'd skin, he would, he would skin the smoke wagon. Or some people would say he would smoke the chuck wagon, but that's a different story for a different day. So they would, they would take their pistol out, their six-shooter out, and they would start, like, just, they'd empty it out on Superman. And what's Superman do? He's like this, because he's Superman. Chest out, hands on hips, right? And the bullets are just ricocheting and bouncing off of Superman, because he's Superman. And every time when the bullets would run out, do you know what the bad guy would do? He'd throw the gun at Superman, which is preposterous because if the bullets don't hurt him, what's throwing the gun going to do? And in every episode, guess what Superman did? He would dodge, dip, <laughs> dive, duck, and dodge. He would, he would get out of the way, which is ridiculous because why would Superman be afraid of a gun? Why would we be afraid of a gun? If the bullets can't hurt him, why would he duck when someone threw the gun at him? And folks, if, if our faith is truly in Jesus, there's no need for us to duck in this world. No reason for us to dodge, to dip, none of that. As we go about our lives, this world is going to throw things at us. It's going to throw things at us, but we don't need to cower. 
We can be bold. We can be courageous. We can be daring. Why? Because of what Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, for what it says there, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, that's some hope-filling words right there, right? Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Well, I hope that stokes a little bit of boldness for Jesus. Right? If nothing can separate us from his love, well, let's be bold for him. Let's have a confidence because it can't be removed from us. So with that, please turn with me in your Bible to the book of Acts It's in the New Testament. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. It's right after the Gospel of John. It's right before the book of Romans. And we're going to be looking at a story that begins in chapter 3, weaves its way into chapter 4. It's one of those stories that I hope inspires, stokes a little bit of boldness in us. It will compel us and motivate us to live with boldness for Christ. And there's, there's no way we'll cover every verse in here. So I'm going to do like a quick, broad overview of this story. What I invite you to do, though, today and this week, take the time and read it. Slowly read it and just process through it. It is a cool, it is a great story. There's some stuff I wish I could cover it all. I don't have time this morning. But anyway, there is lots of insight in this story that can help to compose boldness in us. And that can help us to show the world that our hope in Christ is real. Okay? So I'm going to share some insights here from this story. So just to bring everyone up to speed a little bit in what's going on in Acts so far. In chapter 1, so specifically chapter 1, verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 8. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples that he is going to send the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit descends upon them, they're going to receive power in order to be his witnesses. Power will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses. And so you turn the page to chapter 2, and that's exactly what happens. They receive the Holy Spirit. So they, they receive the presence of God in a very real, manifested way in them. And as a result, they go out and they start boldly witnessing and sharing the gospel and teaching and worshiping and all of that. And at the end of that first day, 3,000 people are converted. 3,000 people for the first time, place their faith in Christ and give their lives over to him. That's a good day's work, right? That's a good day's of bold work right there. So with that, we we didn't flip the page. Now Acts chapter 3. And what we read in verse 1 is that Peter and John, so they're two of the original disciples at this point in history. They're called apostles. So they're just going about their business. They're on their way to the temple. They're on their way to prayer time. They're on their way to church, in a way, okay? So they're just going about their business, going about normal daily activity as usual. And that right there, folks, with that, I want to share just the first bit of insight as far as how to live with boldness. Number one, living with boldness for Christ is part of normal living. 
living with boldness for Christ is simply knowing, understanding, recognizing that it's part of everyday life. So normally we think, or typically we think of boldness as these one-offs, these occasional things that happen here or there. And, and I have this one story in my life where it happened on this mission trip over here. And what the text teaches us is that this is, boldness is supposed to be common, typical, normal, every day. Matthew chapter 28, 19, very famously says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the word go there, when we, when we read go in English, we think I got to go on a mission trip or I have to go and move to Africa or Asia or South America. And it, it could mean that for somebody. God often calls someone to be a part of a mission trip like Haiti coming up in June 20 through 27th. Please be a part of that. Um, God may be calling you to Sudan or Zimbabwe or, or Thailand or somewhere. But that's really not what this verse is really teaching. What it's teaching, the word go there means as you go, in your going, as you go about your life, as you go about your normal daily activities, wherever you are, whatever it is that you're doing, as you're going and carrying out the things that God has placed before you on that specific day, as you do that, make disciples. Be bold as you go. Typical, normal, whatever it is that you're doing, God has prepared good works for his people, for those who are followers of Jesus. God has prepared good works for us to be a part of every day. And these works are filled with opportunities to make disciples and to be a, a bold witness for Christ. So at work, that's part of your daily going. So at work, what, who are the people that God is placing around you to speak truth into their lives? At the grocery store. Maybe you go to, through the same cashier every time. Like, where else? Like maybe it's at the park. It's with your family. It's with your neighbors. In, my, in a church ministry. You know, those of, you know, there, there are many of you that serve in our children's area. I mean, that is going. That's going boldly, right? They're working with children, that's some bold work up in there. But that's making disciples, so that's going. So we do this at church, through church, through, through church ministry. Every day we can display confidence in Jesus by being bold for Jesus in whatever it is that we're doing, wherever we are. So that was number one, point number one. Living with boldness for Christ begins with recognizing that boldness is part of normal, typical, everyday living. It's not for the clergy professionals. It's not for the spiritual elite. It's for all of God's people all of the time, every day, all day. All right, moving on. Then you get the verse 2 and 3. Peter and John come across a man who's been lame since birth, and the man is asking for money. He's depending on the generosity of other individuals for his food and his provision and his sustenance. And Peter says to him in verse 6, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then in the next two verses, 7 and 8, we read that he gets up, starts walking, 
starts leaping and starts praising and worshiping God. So here's insight number two. Living with boldness for Christ requires seeing the needs, of, of the, the needs around us. Living with boldness for Christ requires seeing the needs around you. We miss out on so many opportunities to be bold and to be a blessing because we're so focused on our plans for the day. Especially us Americans. Like we're like highly task oriented. Folks, our day timer, our calendar app, it's like master of our lives. We are completely obsessed with our to-do list. So obsessed that we don't notice the hurting people and the needs right around us every day. And sometimes, to make it worse, we even do see it, but because we're so busy, we quickly turn so we don't have to see it because we have so much to do. We can't be bothered. And what we have to understand is that boldness for Christ requires compassion like Christ. To be bold like Christ, you got to develop, or there needs to develop in you a compassion like Jesus had. So instead of focusing on your to-do list, focus on your to-be list. Be like Jesus. Help the needy. Feed the hungry. Provide for the poor. Strengthen the weak. Encourage the brokenhearted. Take the burdens off of someone and help them. Build them up. Shine the light of Christ into them, into, into their lives. Share the love of God with them. You know, we can be agents of grace just like Peter and just like John. We can be just like them. All it takes to be a bold witness is actually slowing down just a little bit and noticing the needs and the hurt that is right around us all of the time and more than likely if this is different for you let me know more than likely you're not going to go up to someone and say stand and walk after they've been lame since birth but i tell you what we can say i'll pray for you i'll pray with you come to church with me Hey, you don't even have to go to church. Just come to our small group. You can say, what do you need? Can I help you? I'll move that for you. I'll get some guys, and we'll come over and do that project at the house that you need help with. You need a shoulder to cry on? Here it is. You need an ear? Just an event? I've got two of them. It's just making yourself available to the needs of those that, that are around us. You don't know Jesus? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me share the gospel with you. Let me tell you about this wonderful Savior and this good news by which we can be saved and then have this hope that we will be forever with him in eternity. Forever and ever and ever. You know, I would clearly say that the man in this story was blessed, right? The lame man. And he was healed. And then he starts worshiping God. But was he the only person blessed? No. Who else was blessed? And I would say that Peter and John were blessed. 
They were blessed because they made themselves available because they offered something that someone needed because they saw the need and went out of the way to provide what was needed. And I don't, I want to be careful that this is not about us. I'm not making it about us. It's not about what we get or anything like that. But when we act with bold compassion, we are blessed. There's so much joy that we fail to experience simply because all we do is fixate on our problems and our schedule and our to-do. And if we would, and if we would just look around and then say, you know what, I'm going to bless someone else, God returns that on us. He brings it back. You know, you want to rejoice in the Lord? Help someone else rejoice in the Lord. So on our way to church, at church, at work, in our neighborhoods, God puts all kinds of people all around us. In our going about our business, our daily business, God surrounds us with people who are in need, who have all sorts of need, and we can be bold. Living with boldness just means taking the time and the effort to notice those that are in need, just noticing the needs that are around us. All right, moving on. The man is miraculous healed. The crowds gather in amazement and astonishment. And having the people's attention, Peter speaks to the crowd. So here's insight number three about boldness. Living with boldness for Christ means speaking the truth in love. Living with boldness for God actually means speaking God's truth in in love. Boldness assumes, boldness for Christ assumes boldness in our speech. Straightforward, open, honest, confident communication of the gospel. John chapter 10, verse 24. The disciples asked Jesus a very good question. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Plainly. The word plainly is the Greek word I shared a while ago, parousia. So they're saying, if you are the Christ, tell us boldly. So the disciples are asking Jesus in that question. They're saying, speak to us boldly. Stop beating around the bush, not that Jesus ever did. No spin, just shoot straight with us. Be completely straightforward, honest, and open. Tell us, tell us the truth. No spin whatsoever. And this is, as followers of Jesus, this is what we're called to do. Be straightforward and honest. Speak the truth, not being mean, not trying to offend, not trying to be harsh, but the gospel does those things by itself. We just simply are carriers of it. We're to do it graciously and lovingly in the interest of the person, for the good of the person that we're speaking to. And, and so just a snapshot how it is that Peter spoke to the crowd, and he spoke to the crowd from verse 12 all the way through 26. He says in verse 13, Peter says, you betrayed Jesus. So he's talking to this crowd who would have been the crowd who gave him up. You betrayed Jesus. Jesus is God's servant. So he doesn't hide who Jesus was. And you delivered him to Pilate to kill him. So he's not, he's not being harsh. He's just being truthful, right? Being upfront with him. In verse 14, he says, you denied the Messiah, the Holy One. The righteous one. You denied him. You rejected him. 
in verse seven, uh, 15, he says, you killed Jesus. So in essence, he's calling them murderers. You killed Jesus. Like, because to hand someone over to be murdered, I mean, you're guilty of the same thing. That's murder. So he's calling them murderers. In verse 17, he says, you acted in ignorance. I grew up in Andrew. Let me tell you, you tell someone they're ignorant, that's fighting words. You ignorant, you straight ignorant. I, I mean, we're about to scrap, right? And, and Peter here, he's not trying to be incendiary. He's not being harsh or mean or anything like that. He, he's just being upfront and honest. with. The, he's being truthful. And this is what I do know, that the tr- truth hurts, right? Truth hurts. But I know this, the truth that hurts is also the truth that heals. He's being honest with them, and it's going to sting. But if they're willing to listen, it'll heal them far beyond they could ever hope or desire. And in verse 19, that's, that's, his, that's his hope. He pleads for them to repent of their sins so that they may be forgiven. So that they may have the eternal life. So living with boldness for Christ means speaking the truth of God in love for the good of others. And I know, and I know, and I know that this is one of the hardest things for any of us to do. It's scary. It's intimidating. What if we offend someone? What if we lose a friendship? Uh, Some of you know Shane Malden or remember Shane Malden. He was part of our church from the very beginning, and um, he played on our praise team. And unfortunately, the stinking U.S. Army had to move him and his bride out to Texas. Hopefully, they'll be back in 18 months or so. We'll see. All right? Uh, And we love them. And anyway, uh, this past fall, they moved to Texas. But the previous fall, uh, I began meeting with Shane one-on-one. He had questions about church and Jesus and Christianity, and he was open to having these discussions. So we started meeting. It was like every Wednesday. Every Wednesday afternoon, we'd just hang out for an hour or two and just chat and talk. And, and he would tell me what he believed. He was very honest. He told me about he grew up in church and his beliefs and all of that. And this went on for about three or four weeks. And finally, one day, I literally, I looked him in the eye. I said, Shane, do you believe I love you? And he's like, yeah. I say, okay, I'm going to be extremely honest with you right now. You are not saved. You're not a Christian. You think you're a Christian. You think you know that you're a Christian. You're not a Christian. And his eyes perked up a little bit. And this, this, this was not easy because he could storm out or he could get mad. And I proceeded just to share with them. It's like, here's who Jesus really is. Here's who the Bible presents him to be. And this is what he did on the cross. And this is what grace is. Because he really struggled understanding what grace is. And camped out there for a while. And I was like, and then explain what faith is. And now it's through belief and faith in Jesus Christ and giving your life over to him. And, and it's that. And then after a while, I said, Shane, do you, do you believe that? Do you want to believe that? Do you want to give your life over to that? Do you want to accept that? And he's, yeah, I do. And we prayed together right there, and we kept talking, and we prayed again. 
And at some point, he just looks at me, and it's the, one of the coolest moments of my life. He smiles. He says, Rick, it's like I'm smiling for the first time. And folks, that could have gone really badly. He's a friend. He's living in my neighborhood. Maybe going to be part of the church at the time. We hadn't even launched services yet. And I could have offended him. It could have gone a really bad way, but it didn't. And God moved. And, and I simply shared as lovingly as I possibly could what it is that he needed to hear. And so, again, I know that this is one of the hardest things to do, but it is so extremely important that we, we speak truth boldly into the lives of others. That we would do what Ephesians 4 uh, 15 says it tells us to speak truth in love it tells us to do this and and even if it'll cause drama and it probably will and even if it means losing a friend it may at some point do that even if it means that you don't know if it ever had the effect that you were hoping because you may not know if that seed ever took but we're to speak truth in love people need to know that they're heading the wrong way if they're heading the wrong way people need to know that there's some folks around that love them and care enough about them to tell them the truth and walk them through what the bible says people need to know that if they're in sin that they are in sin and folks people need to know that there is a god who desperately loves them so much that he gave his son and then Jesus died on that cross that he loves us that much and then it's by by his grace that we receive through that sacrifice through faith in that sacrifice that our sins are completely forgiven forever people need boldness people need to hear the truth spoken with boldness and with confidence and I, I know that for many of us, there's a hesitation, not only because we're afraid we may offend someone, but also because we're afraid we'll say something wrong. Like, I hear that a lot. Well, what if I ask a question I don't know the answer to? And I don't know all the verses in the Bible, and I don't know all the seminary theological terminology. Doesn't matter. I would say, if you know enough to be saved, if you know enough to be a follower of Jesus, then you, have, you know enough to help someone be saved and to be a follower of Jesus. And at the end of the day, it's simply conversation. It's simply talking. It's simply talking. Conversations. And, and that can be a little tricky, because, well, then how do I have a conversation and interject Jesus in, in my faith? Well, I know that we wrestle with that, so here's what we're going to do. Like, after Easter... In our small groups, in our A-teams, we're all the A-teams. We're going to do a study that's going to help us to assimilate the faith, our understanding of Christianity, and help us to then interject that naturally into our lives and into our conversations. And so if you're not in a small group, please sign up at the info table after service. Uh, but just join one of those because we want to equip everyone to be able to just naturally have these conversations about Jesus in their life and that it's not rocket science right it's, it doesn't have to be bizarre it could simply be uh, a co-worker walks in it's like man I'm struggling you know what I'll pray for you and that might be it and you walk away it could be that simple 
It doesn't have to be like, well, let me find that verse that talks about your specific problem. It, it may be that at some point, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. What did you do this weekend? Well, I went to the movies and I did some yard work. What did you do? Man, I did the same thing and I went to church. I, I love going to church. I need that every weekend. And you walk away. Like, it's just simply bringing your, your story, your testimony into the natural rhythm of your life. How easy is it to talk about your kids? It's actually extremely easy. And, and then we'll, like, we'll throw those in abruptly. Right? What you did this weekend? Oh, I went to the movies. My kid did such and such. What? I wouldn't ask him about that, but we throw it in anyway. So we could do that with the gospel, but we could also bring it in a very natural, natural way. So anyway, we can help each other to learn how to have these conversations in a way that isn't going to be overly offensive, isn't going to be awkward. We want to train you to do that. So 18th after Easter. All right, enough of that. We'll move on. Peter and John are witnessing. They're sharing the gospel. And in chapter 4, verse 3, they are arrested. So it's a continuation of the story. They are arrested. These rulers begin to question them, to question them. And then in verse 8, it tells us that Peter answers them while he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So there you go. There's insight number four. Living with boldness for Christ requires being filled with the Holy Spirit. Living with boldness for Christ requires being filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, this world is scary. This world is straight scary. 1 John chapter 3, verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Jesus warned us in John 15, 20, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This world is scary for followers of Jesus. And to some degree, not so much here in the U.S., at least not yet, but there are some places in the world where if you're a follower of Christ, it is a death sentence. So in how in the world can we possibly live as followers of Jesus? If, if this world is so anti-us and against us, it can only happen if we are filled with the very presence of God, if the Spirit of Jesus is abiding in us. I mean, remember what it said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. So just know this. There's nothing that God asks us to do that he does not provide the strength and the resources for us to do it. He doesn't ask us to do anything he wouldn't do himself. So much so that he brings his presence into our lives and does it along with us. God gives us everything we need to do. All we have to do is rely on him. We, it gets bad when we rely on our own strength. Because usually what happens, either we get reckless or we get cowardly. Reckless and cowardly aren't good. We're to be bold, and that's a difference. Bold is doing what God has asked you to do, doing it with confidence, knowing that he's with you every step of the way. Um, I said this a few weeks ago. In a few months, we're going to do a series very specifically on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and I'm really excited about that. So I'm not going to say anything more about this. I'm just going to leave you with that cliffhanger, right? That's like an Avengers trailer right there. Like, you can't wait. When is that going to be? So anyway, moving on. Then in chapter 4, verse 13, 
we read that the rulers, these people who arrested Peter and John and who questioned them, are actually amazed at Peter and John. And they're amazed because Peter and John are just kind of ordinary folks. They're uneducated chaps. They're just typical, normal guys. They're uneducated. But they recognize that the reason that they are bold is because they had been with Jesus. That's why they're bold. So there you go. There's insight number five. Living with boldness for Christ arises out of knowing Christ. It comes out of a personal relationship with Jesus. So Peter and John are disciples of Jesus. They met him. They followed him. They got to know him. They learned from him. And they grew to love him. And they grew to love him. They were bold because they knew him and they loved him. Folks, It's amazing what we will do for someone if we love them, right? We will go into a burning building for them. We will get between them and a wild animal. We will do everything that we can for their advancement. We may even do that for a stranger. How much more so for someone we love? Well, how much more so should we do it for Jesus Christ, who himself is the one who saved us out of a burning eternity. Who is the one who got between us and a wild animal, right? The devil is referred to as a roaring lion. And who himself, through what he did on the cross, he has secured our advancement into heaven. And so Jesus comes down out of heaven and he comes down so that we would know him personally and intimately that we would know him and know him as our wonderful counselor and our prince of peace, our gracious savior. That we would walk with him and that we would let him speak to us and guide us each and every moment of every day. And the, the question we always have to ask, like, do you know him? Like, do you know Jesus? Like, do you know his presence in your life? Do you know he's active in your heart? Do you, do you know it? Do you know that he's with you each and every moment of every day? Has he given you the hope that only he can give? And, and if you answer yes to those questions, then yet be bold. Be bold. Be a, a living, breathing anthem for the glory of the one who shed his life that you may have life. Be bold. If you know him, have confidence in him and for him. Be bold. Living with boldness for Christ arises out of knowing Jesus. Moving on, the the rulers have to release Peter and John because they have no legal grounds to to keep them in prison. And they release them under threat. Like they warn them heavily, stop speaking about Jesus. They leave them with that warning. So Peter and John, they run off. And they go straight to church. It tells us they went to their friends. They they went to their church family. And in verse 24, chapter 4, verse 24, it says that together they lifted their voices together to God. So what did they do? They prayed, right? They prayed. And what did they pray for? Verse 29. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness insight number six living with boldness for christ requires prayer 
for many of us, that's where we need to start. Just pray for God to give you boldness in your daily living. Just pray for confidence as, as you go out and you try to share the gospel, for, for God to give you opportunities. There, there may not be another prayer that honors God more than to simply humbly come before him and say, Lord, I struggle to be the bold witness that you've asked me to be. I struggle with that. I, I'm intimidated and I'm scared easily and I don't want to offend and I, I don't know what to say. So Lord, give, give me boldness. Give me the words. Give me the opportunities. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, help me. Help me. Work in me in such a way. Give me boldness that through me you work in such a way that other people come to respond to your love. So they pray together for boldness. And so tonight, here at 6 o'clock, we do this once a month. Third Sunday, typically of each month, we gather in here and we get together to pray, to pray together because we believe the Bible says that the church is to pray together. So we're going to meet here at 6 o'clock like we do. And we always do it differently and we always pray for different things. Well, guess what we're going to pray for tonight? We're going to pray for boldness. That individually and as a church that we would exude the confidence that only comes from having this hope in our Lord. And that God would use us in this town. That it would fill the town with the hope of Christ. Now earlier I said that joy is hope let off the leash. Well if that's true, boldness is hope let out of the corral. Hope is a thoroughbred, and we treat it like it's just some little pony that needs to be locked up in a little stable. But hope is a thoroughbred, and a thoroughbred is meant to run. It's meant to be let loose, to run wild through this world. And it's just incumbent upon us to let our hope loose, to be, let our boldness for Christ just loose out in this world, folks. Our mission is to fill this town with love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus. Anthem Church exists strictly for the purpose of making disciples. We're not here for any other reason other than to be fishers of men. There's no other reason for us being here. This is our mandate to be bold witnesses, to share the gospel, to shine the light of God's love in this world. And if we let our boldness loose in town, it, God will use it to absolutely turn Andrew upside down. What will happen if we were bold for Christ? And I know, that, and I know this. We will see addictions and domestic violence cease. We will see marriages flourish. We will see fathers and mothers playing with their children and loving them. We will see healings and wonders of God and miracles in this town. We will see the hopeless come to have hope. We will see the helpless come to have help. We will see tears wiped away. Broken hearts mended forever. And we will see those who are far from God have hope 
beyond hope, knowing that they've embraced the grace of God and now their sins are forgiven and they will be with him forever and ever and ever, basking in the riches of his glorious grace. Let us let boldness loose in this town. Now we, we will see greater things from God in town if this town sees greater boldness from us. So look for opportunities. You know, my dad uh, just left. He's out of the country visiting some family. Um, there are a couple of reasons why they went, but the only reason he ever actually spoke to me about going out of, out of country was specifically to go share the gospel with his sisters and make them go to church. I'm going to find a church. I'm going to take them to church on Sunday while I'm there. I, excuse me. Sorry, Brent. Uh, Brent shared this with me last week. Uh, asked for forgiveness rather than permission, right? Um, he was asked at work recently to do a Bible study at work. He said, okay. That's boldness. He's never done anything like that before, right? Why? He's making himself available to share the truth of God with some people. You know, I've asked our, our ladies' ministry, it's like, because a lot of times they meet during the day, please go to the park. Take the kids and go to the park because there's a lot of people at the park and a lot of kids there. Use the kids as a way to inject the gospel into some people because, I mean, man, they're a great tool, mission tool. They're a tool, right? They're a blessing. I'm sure number four will be too. Um, I didn't ask for permission, but Allison, I, I recent, Allison Towson recently, she paid for the meal of the person behind her at McDonald's. And it started a cascade of what I think the next 10 people in line pay for the people behind. One, one act of kindness spurred on others. And when it starts warming up, I'm going to get a group of people, and we're going to go door to door. Just, it's old school. It's scary. Not for everybody. And we're just going to do it. And let's see what happens. And then we got a mission trip going to Haiti this summer. Folks, there's all sorts of ways of being bold and shocking this town with the love of Jesus. May this room be filled with people that say, I did not know Jesus, but Joey or Justin or Jeff or Steve or whoever may, they invited me to church, they shared the gospel, they reached out, and now I know Christ. We're Anthem Church. Let the thoroughbred out of the corral. Okay, let's pray. Lord Father, thank you so much again for this morning and for this opportunity just to be here and to hear your word and to listen to you. And Lord, this is, this is difficult for some of us, Lord. We're, we love you and, and we love your gospel and we're so grateful, Lord, but we struggle to be the bold witnesses that you ask us to be. So we come to you now, Lord, and we ask that you would help us to be those witnesses, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would give us the right words and right understanding, that you would give us opportunities, Lord, and then just give us the boldness that we need. Lord, and I pray that you would use those acts and that we would see many people saved, that we would see many people come to faith, that they would be hope-filled as we are hope-filled as well. 
Pray for our church, Lord. May it be a beacon of light in this town. Lord, may this be just a reservoir of your grace that just beckons people to come and to know you. Lord, if there's anyone in the room who's struggling with their own salvation, I pray, Lord, that they would get that straight in their hearts right now. That they would embrace your grace, confess their sin, and know that you love them and begin a, a new life with new eyes of hope in you. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are believers who do struggle with this, Lord, help us to understand that this is part of everyday life. Lord, help us to, under, to, to see the needs around us. Help us to speak the truth in love. Fill us with your spirit. And Lord, may we always, always be praying that you make us bold. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.